I'm Engelbert, and you're listening to the Sunday Afternoon Show for Sunday, June 21st, 2020. I have Pastor Pat Burden with me today, and he's going to talk about grace. Thank you. Hi, Pastor Pat. Hi, Engelbert. Welcome to LNJID Radio. LNJID Radio. (laughs) We would like to welcome everyone who's listening uh, this afternoon. Uh, By the time this airs, it will be the Sunday of Pentecost. And uh, Pentecost is a wonderful celebration of the church. Um, Actually, there's been, you know, many different um, mm, discussions, I guess, if you will, uh, regarding the true, the birth of the church. Um, I happened to believe myself that the birth of the church happened at Calvary. Um, I had the privilege of living uh, at one time in my life in East Africa, and East Africa experienced a tremendous revival, uh, if you will, um, among the churches of that part of Africa. And uh, one of the most influential writers of the time was a gentleman named Roy Hessian. And Roy wrote a book uh, that many attributed was the beginning of the, the household of faith in East Africa beginning to seek the face of God. And the name of that book was called Calvary Road. Calvary Road. When you think about Calvary Road, for those of you who may not know, Calvary is the place, the place of the skull. Calvary is where Jesus was crucified. And um, the crucifixion of Jesus uh, really gave to us um, the, the opportunity to have our sins forgiven and to move into a life uh, that was, that's called in the Bible a new creation, a new creation of God in Christ Jesus. And uh, I believe that when, when people come to Calvary by faith and receive the provision of the new covenant that was purchased for us by Jesus, uh, and, and I'd just like to say here that, you know, the new covenant was not a covenant made between Jesus and his apostles or disciples. That's not what the new covenant was or is. The new covenant was a covenant that was made between God the Father and God the Son. God the Son laid down his life to God the Father and became the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. That's the power of the new covenant. And we have been invited by God the Father and God the Son to come into the covenant that was established between them and to share with them, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to share in the new covenant of the living God. And, and did, do, we have to, do we have to bring anything uh, to that place before Calvary? Do we have to put on airs? Do we have to pretend that we're something we're not? Or do we just come as we are? 
as the old hymn says, without one plea, but that your blood, Lord Jesus, was shed for me. And Lord, I come, I come humbly, I come broken, I become, I come aware of my sin and of the beauty of your righteousness and holiness. And I need your mercy, Lord, in my life. I need your forgiveness in my life. The Bible says that the proud God will turn away, but the humble in heart God will receive. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Actually, the Bible says we love darkness rather than light. Why would we love darkness rather than light? Because light is exposing. In darkness, there's a lot of secrets. There's a lot of hidden things that can be kept in darkness. But when we come into the light, and when the light, I should say, comes into us, really, when the light of Christ comes into our lives, everything is exposed before him. We stand before him naked, as it were. And we find that in that place of brokenness and nakedness before God, he covers us. He puts on us a robe of his righteousness. So in light of that, what I would like to share uh, because this Sunday, when, when folks will be listening to this uh, message, we will be celebrating Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is a wonderful celebration of the ecclesia of Jesus, of the Bride of Christ. The Pentecost, the day of Pentecost was the day that his ecclesia was clothed with power from on high. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, came like the sound of a rushing mighty wind and tongues of fire lit uh, on each one as the, and, and they all began to speak in tongues as the Lord gave utterance. What is this? This was a supernatural event. This was the church being endued with an anointing with the power of the living God to be able to go forth under the commission of Jesus and to declare the kingdom of God and that the kingdom that we would preach would be followed by with signs and wonders would follow the preaching of the gospel because of the endowment of power from the Holy Spirit to the bride of Christ. And so as we celebrate that again today, folks, let us, let us humble ourselves before our God. God knows that we need him like we've never needed him before. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much unrest. Although those of us who know where we are, where we're going, there's no uncertainty because we have the certainty of the return of Jesus for his bride. We are marching towards the culmination of this age and we are about to come into the place where we see the appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so until we get to that moment, 
Church, we need to be endued with power from on high and not God help us. May God help us not to merchandise the gospel, not to become enamored with the power and gifts of the Holy Spirit to the point where uh, people begin to uh, merchandise uh, some of those things. You know, there was a, there was a man named Simeon uh, who saw the power of the Holy Spirit come upon some people uh, during Philip's ministry in the early church. And he wanted to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter rebuked him for the bitterness and the guile that was in his heart. And boy, he needed, he needed the work of God to come to him in order that he may become a recipient of this Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to the church not to, not to enrich the church with material wealth, but to enrich the church with the resources of heaven, to enrich the church with the things that are unseen and not the things that are seen. When Peter and, and Paul, uh, or, sorry, Peter and John confronted the lame man at the temple, beautiful, in Jerusalem, uh, this beggar who had been outside the temple for some years, and you know what that meant? That Jesus had passed him by maybe on a number of occasions. And he was never healed because the Lord knew that he was going to leave that healing, that, that encounter for John and Peter. And so the day came when they walked by and the beggar said, please, can, I, can you give me something? The neat thing that was in his heart was that he was expecting something. He was expecting alms. He wasn't expecting to get up and walk. But we have to have an expectation in our hearts when we approach God. We have to have an expectation understanding that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so Peter and John said, well, silver and gold we don't have. <laughs> Can the church say that today? Can the church save silver and gold we don't have? But such as I have, give I thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And that man got up and walked, leaping and running and praising God. And, and, and we've become so reliant on the provision and what silver and gold can do for the church, mainly finance new building projects, finance new carpet. Not that these things are bad in and of themselves, but guys, our priority is not brick and mortar. It's the needs of the hearts of people. And we've compromised that terribly. We have used, we have amassed unto ourselves silver and gold. Who knows, the church could probably have fed the starving in the world 12 times over. Maybe we should sell all the silver and gold in the church and use it for, you know, for, for ministry to the poor, to the widow, to the orphan, to care for the things that Jesus said were the most important things through James. You know what? We've got to stop trying to figure out ways of merchandising and marketing the gospel 
and just go out into the highways and byways with the simplicity of the gospel of Christ that is Jesus can transform your life. Jesus can set you free from the power of sin and death and darkness and the dominion of the devil. He can set our lives free to serve him, to fall in love with God and to, to be in love with one another as the body of Christ. And doing that which the Lord commanded us to do, and that was to take the gospel to all nations, to make disciples of all nations. Oh, my goodness. I, you know what? We, and I include myself in that, I'm part of the ecclesia. Where have I compromised? Where have I sort of, uh, where have I given up time with Jesus uh, to, and, and time to cultivate intimacy with Jesus because I was after the things of the world? Listen, guys, all we have to do, all we have to do is read the letters to the churches at the beginning of the book of Revelation. Those were local churches that Jesus loved. And because he loved them, he spoke truth to them. You know, we started out by saying we were, we're, we're going to talk about grace and truth uh, in this session together. And this is where we come into that reality. Because John the Apostle said, when he saw Jesus, he came full of grace and truth. And it, it, that speaks to me of the fact that grace and truth are intertwined. You know, there, there's something that is very dangerous in the church right now. And some people have referred to it as cheap grace. They're, in my way of thinking, they're, they're, there's, I understand what people are saying in that, but I, I think there's another way maybe to say it because grace is not cheap. Grace costs the Son of God his life. I think the way we treat grace at times is just to have some kind of cloak for the continuance of sin. And so we cover ourselves in grace. And instead of grace being the enabling of the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God that comes to us through the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that grace enables us to live an overcoming life in the faith. That's what grace is given to us for. Grace is not given to us to excuse sin. Well, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. Well, I understand that. But grace is not lawlessness. That's not what grace is. As a matter of fact, grace is governed by the character from which it emanates. Grace has character. The character of Jesus is in his grace. And by virtue of that fact, 
Grace comes with boundaries in our lives. And when we violate the boundaries of his character, of his attitudes, of who he is in our lives, then we are, we are beginning to despise the grace of God. Because the grace of God comes to give our life direction in the character of Christ. It comes to give us the enabling to live the Christian life and to live it in an overcoming manner by the relationship that we have, each one of us, with Jesus as our Messiah. So grace and truth comes from Jesus. And they are wedded. You know, I've heard some people say at times in their lives, well, what I need really, I just need grace to overcome. I just need grace to get past this situation. I, and it's not grace often that we need. What we need is repentance. Because repentance causes us to turn from ways of disobedience, causes us to turn from lawlessness and, and excusing ourselves in sin or for sin. And it's repentance that we need to come out of those excuses and into the grace of God. That's what Jesus spoke to to these churches in the book of Revelation. He said, I have this against you. There's truth. Truth is coming to enable grace to function in a greater capacity. So truth came to bring repentance to those churches and it facilitated the opening of measures of grace to enable them to move beyond what Jesus reproved them for into a greater functioning in the reality of the life of the Spirit in the church. And so as we, as we think about Pentecost Sunday, this Sunday, let's just reflect on where our lives are at. Can any of us say, you know, we're exactly, I measure up, fully to what Jesus wants of me. Um, gosh, I don't know. I can't. And I, and, and, I, and I have been before the Lord in repentance in my life, and I have asked Jesus to restore my first love for Him. And that I know it's in process. I know it is because He hears and answers prayer. So what are you asking? What are you petitioning Jesus for this Pentecost Sunday? Don't we all, church, want to rid ourselves of the sin that so easily besets us and embrace from Jesus in our repentance before him
embrace the grace that he sends us in repentance to be able to live, to come up to new heights in him, to come into greater depths of intimacy with him, and then to function in him as the fishermen, the fishers of men that he has called us to be. I pray that this Pentecost Sunday would bring a renewed Pentecost to your life. You know, Pentecost isn't just a historical event and time and place in the history of the church. Pentecost was an experience, an experience with the living God as the Holy Spirit came out of heaven and took the baton from Jesus and said, Okay, Lord, I'll get the church ready for the wedding. I'll get the church ready to proclaim the gospel throughout the earth. I will empower the church now. And so God, the Holy Spirit, took over the ministry of the Trinity to the church. And he today, right now, God, the Holy Spirit, is listening to our hearts. He searches the hearts. He knows what is in our hearts and can enable us to pray accordingly to the true need of our hearts. So welcome afresh, Holy Spirit of the living God, as we remember the day of Pentecost from 2,000 years ago, we pray that there would be a, a fresh Pentecostal outpouring upon your church, Lord, that the bride would rise up in the earth in the splendor and beauty of her God and be to the world the word that she needs to hear right now the word that the world needs to hear right now, that God is love and that God is willing to transform any life that is willing to be transformed by him. Through repentance, through truth, and through grace. God bless you and thank you for being with us. Thanks, Pastor Pat. Join us every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. for the Sunday Afternoon Show on LNJID Radio. That's lnjid.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ingie.